Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we are officially on the road to Picard. So what we're going to be doing on and off between now and when Picard lands is taking a look back over the next generation mostly and looking at the characters that we know are going to be coming back. So we're mainly focusing on the man himself, Captain Jean-Luc Picard. But we'll also be talking about Riker and Troy and Data and anyone else who we yeah, think might put in We've got seven of nine. Seven of nine, so, so we'll yeah. we'll have to look at a bit of Voyager. We've got Hugh. Ah, oh, I keep forgetting about Hugh. So we'll be looking at some of the Borg episodes. Yeah, so we're going to be digging into a bit of that. And we're not going to go through, as we have been doing with Discovery, sort of step by step. But we're going to take a bit more of an overview of the episodes. Talk about the story, talk about the characters... And talk about how they all develop the Star Trek universe. Because looking back at Next Gen, there's a few things that fit in very well. There's a few things that might seem a little bit weird now. Yeah. And we're going to hit on some of them as we go through. So we thought we'd start off at the beginning with Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah, if we're going to do the character's development, we've got to start at the beginning. We've got to start with where we first meet him, yeah. So we're going to have a look over that one and then in future weeks we're going to maybe take a look at the rest of season one and see where Picard goes from there. So starting us off then with Encounter at Farpoint, what did you make of it when you first saw it, Elliot, like back in the day? Um, my first view of Encounter at Farpoint was actually um, a poster advertising it. Yeah. And it showed inside the alien ship. Right. But it didn't make it clear it was inside the alien ship. So I was thinking, oh, this looks like it's supposed to be very different. Have they gone down the road of Lex? Right. With how they're doing the ships in sort of Yeah, yeah, I could see that. So that I was were... sort of like, oh, what have they done? Yeah, if that were the first shot you saw. I mean, I, I remember, I think there was um, a trailer for it on the video of Star Trek Four. This was actually a poster on a yeah, shelter, yeah. so... So, yeah, I mean, so I I got more of a sense because the trailer showed, you know, yeah. the the ship and the crew. I remember it being a really cheesy trailer. It was like... Yeah, well, this didn't even have Picard in, on this poster, right. obviously, because he never went over to this. Yeah, yeah, ship. so it's it like Riker, Troy. Riker, Troy, yeah, Data, and I think Geordi. That's weird. I wonder why they picked that. I mean, yeah, so it didn't give any, any sort of clue as what the Enterprise looked like and what the yeah. actual ship, so... I wonder if that were one of the first publicity shots they Probably. brought out, and so they yeah. just banged that on a thing, yeah. And, yeah, I saw this sort of cheesy advert, and it's like, a new crew, there's yeah. a man with amazing vision, and that's Johnny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you think, what? <laughs> but I remember even then it looking really futuristic compared to what we were getting in the original series movies. Yeah, yeah it looked, looked a lot more futuristic, a lot more... Like, bear in mind, this is, what, 1987? Yeah, yeah. So it's possibly 86 when I was seeing these first publicity yeah. shots. I mean, this, as I say, the trailer I saw was on the the rental release of Star Trek Four, so yeah. that would be around then. And, I mean, we, we maybe have to do a, a special episode looking at it, but, like, the reception it got at the time, there were a lot of trepidation. and Well, there was... You maybe didn't see it quite as much as what's happened with Discovery and no. split some of the fan base at first, because we have all the internet now, but there was a huge writing letter campaign yeah, yeah. and all that people up in arms. All these people now love the next generation. Yeah. There's, in fact, a lot of these are probably the same people who now hate Discovery because it's something new. Yeah, it was. there was a whole thing about, you know, we want our crew, we want Kirk, Spock, yeah. McCoy, we don't want this new crew, and... I remember because I was quite young, you know, I've been eight when this first came out. So um, I remember because I took the title literally like the next generation. So I thought, oh, well, it's going to be Kirk's son and Spock's son. Yeah, I must admit, it it didn't come across like that at first. Well, that's when you just heard the title. You're like, that's what it could be. But And I remember I saw this episode um, again. I think it came through as a rental. And I, I rented it from our local video shop when we used to have them and first saw it. And I admit, I thought it were pretty boring the first um, time I watched it. But... I quite enjoyed it, actually. I thought, wow, some yeah. of the stuff they did, like, 
we've got the ship separate. Yeah, um, I mean, you were older, so you you yeah. probably got more out of it. And I think I warmed to this over the years yeah. a bit, but I still don't think it's a great pilot. Looking back, if it was made nowadays, it probably wouldn't get picked up. No, I don't think it would. But back in 87, we didn't have loads of sci-fi on TV. This is true. Like, we'd had... Buck Rogers. Yeah, yeah. But that was, what, five years previous? Easily. We'd had Battlestar nearly ten years previous. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this sort of kicked off like a resurgence was, of science yeah, fiction on it TV. After the first season, there was suddenly quite a lot of sci-fi came. Yeah, out, and everything was trying to be next generation, basically. Some this of them, was, yeah. And this, I think, next gen sort of forms like, the cornerstone, really, of what we think of as Star Trek now, you know, because it had those two other series that came out set in the same time period straight away, and, you know, Pat, we're now getting to a stage where there's going to be as much Trek on TV, but at the time, that was sort of like a golden era for Star Trek. Oh, it was and, like, what, was it 92 when we got DS9? Yeah. So we literally had weekly star trek all year round yeah virtually and it was all kind of built around the foundations that next gen sets here so yeah. we'll have a look a bit more in detail at the episode then so we're going to move on and take a look at the story so it's a bit of a game of two halves really this one like that from what i heard is that gene roddenberry wanted a one hour pilot but the network wanted a two hour pilot so Gene had written the story of Farpoint and the mystery and all this business. And then when they needed to expand it out to two, he brought in DC Fontana. And she came up with Q and integrated all that stuff Which, into the script. Well, Q's been a, a very... I think he's been a very um, major character in yeah, that yeah. story. Absolutely. And I I think the Q bits of this episode work much better than the Farpoint bits. I know they intertwine. Yeah. But, you know, re-watching it, um, well, rewatched it this morning, but um, I think the first half of the episode, which is where we get most of the Q stuff, is much faster paced and much yeah. more interesting. And then when we switch over to the Farpoint stuff is when it starts to lag a little bit. And, you know, these are the bits I remember from being a kid thinking yeah, were pretty boring. Like, the Farpoint parts are actually really Star Trek. Yeah, the, the strange key. new life forms, and yeah. it isn't all about aliens shooting each other. And no, again, it's it's about connecting with something and understanding, understanding something, something that's strange and different from the norm. Absolutely, and... yeah, and it it is a good, you know, there's the bare bones of a good story. I just don't think it's necessarily executed that well. No, so I mean, it it starts off. Then we get an introduction to the Enterprise, a little bit to the crew, and. This is what I was talking about when we were talking about Discovery. Like, you know, we don't get these hero shots of ships and stuff. Yeah, but like the opening shot of the Enterprise is a beautiful... Like a head-on head shot Head-on coming in and... And before that, we get the opening credits, which shows off the Enterprise yeah. really well. So. And this is the only show in the entire run of Next Generation that has no... Um, Teaser at the teasers, start. Teaser. Yeah. It just goes straight into the title. Yeah, exactly. And that, you know, that's indicative of it being the pilot and whatnot. But yeah, I noticed that this time round. And, you know, they they sort of set up a little bit about this far point. You know, they say, we're going to investigate. It, it seems to me like the, these guys have made this base very, very, very quickly. Yeah. And they want to give it to the Federation or sell it to the Federation yeah. or exchange it for a trade deal with the Federation. It's not entirely clear yeah. exactly how it's going to work. But then Q interrupts the mission and we get that cool sequence with the big mesh in space. Yeah, we don't really see that again. No. And it, like, it, the mesh turns into a spaceship as well, which we don't see. Yeah, it follows them. Yeah, again. that's a point. Because, yeah, it has to... It, they have to try and outrun it yeah. and it's keeping up with them and... But Q, if he's omnipotent, it could just make it appear yeah. in front of him again. Yeah, well, that's I interesting. Think that, I think we've probably got part of the things where it's a pilot and yeah. we're testing out ideas. Like, I wish they had used the force field again. Yeah, the force field's pretty it, cool. It actually stands up still today. Yeah, the effects, effects, I remember, being really good at the time and they still look good. 
I mean, obviously, I watched it this time on the remasters, but so they've touched it up a bit, but it does look good. And Q basically puts the crew on trial. At first, he turns up and says, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. The, this is as far as you go. Yeah, he gives them a directive, you will stop yeah, and return home. That, because we're told that Farpoint, beyond that, is an unexplored region. Yeah. So we're setting that up, and humanity is not going to go any further according to Q. But Picard gives him the idea to put them on trial. And then you get that sequence in the what Picard calls the post-atomic cot of horrors. Yeah. And I like that. We'll dig into that a little bit more when we talk about the world building in the universes. But I like the sequence and I like the the aesthetics of it and everything. Yes. It, does, it does look chaotic and it it's something we've not a part of the Star Trek universe we've not really seen before. No, we've we've had like little teasers from the original series of that stuff's yeah, gone on. And Earth all that. went pretty bad at one yeah. point, but this is the first time we're sort of seeing that, and we don't really get a lot more of it beyond this. No, the, there's bits here and then in First Contact. First Contact is around good. this time. In first so. Contact's about. Five years after this, uh, yeah, it's, something it's like around that. that time. Yeah, so we, we get little bits and bobs, and you know, I think all of that works really well. I like that it sets up the mission. Really, is you're going to face a trial. You've got to pass it, otherwise yeah. humanity's done. Kind of. And it's like in the original series, we had like mention of Khan was ninety seven. Yeah, and they'd been to Saturn in the nineties. Yeah, and, and they were. They weren't going using enough time jump from where no. we, where they were when they were making it. Yeah, to make it work. That, that we've now caught up. Like this is set still. What about forty, fifty years and a half? The future yeah, I from think now, they, so it's still they give the date as twenty seventy nine later on. Yeah. Is what this is a representation yeah, so of. We've still got. A, we're I mean, still we're, a long way behind that. We're five years away from the Sanctuary Districts from DS9, but to be fair, if we probably look, are only five years away from that. If you look at some that. of the news nowadays, it's quite scary. Oh, yeah, we're not. We are to some of that. We're not far away at all from it, which is frightening, but um, hopefully we'll not quite get to this, but you never know the way it's going at the minute. Anyway, we'll, we'll try not to be a Trump-Brexit podcast <laughs> because that could take a long time. Um... Then this is where it shifts and we go to the Farpoint thing. And Riker meets this well, Groppler Zorn. Yeah, we get the first, first introduction of Riker. Yeah. Very clean shaven. Oh, no, and... baby-faced Riker. Yeah, like, I thought it was strange when season two came aired, when he suddenly had the beard. But now I much prefer him with the beard. Oh, yeah, yeah. It looks yeah. a lot better. I mean, I think what they were going for here is, I think... Picard they decided was going to be more of a thoughtful captain yeah. and more of a diplomat and so we needed an action man yeah. so you've and got that's what Riker was yeah called. Riker's cut from the Kirk mould yeah. in a lot of ways so he's filling that kind of role and we get the introduction of the rest of the crew and everything down at Farpoint but to say this is meant to be a mystery I think maybe they play the hand a little bit too early Cause with the bowl of apples appearing. With the bowl of apple, but then the bit after it where Riker leaves and Zorn's going, I told you, you're not supposed yeah. to do that. Yeah. And straight away, you know, we know he's dodgy, but we know he's speaking to something else. Yeah. Know, we might not work it out completely. But, but we know something's got... Yeah, they're not yeah, eating yeah, they, out the mystery, really. No, it's, it, th- this guy's up but to something. I think, let me go back to how TV's made, and back in 87, you could do that. Yeah. If you made a TV series now and it was like that, like we said, it wouldn't get picked up. Oh, no. I mean, now, this would probably be the whole first season of the investigating Farpoint and yeah. getting little clues here and there yeah. and everything, you know. So, I don't know. Um, and then Q turns up again and he, he sets a time limit now. So, you've got 24 hours, which is it's a good dramatic device. Because, you know, you give a time scale so it sets a bit of tension. Or it would, but then the next log entry is it's been 11 hours since he gave us the directive and nothing's happened. And you're like, oh, okay then. And Picard's just sat up on the ship and maybe we'll send someone down yeah. to have a look. There's not, not a sense of urgency, I don't think, to say, theoretically, this is 
this is Starfleet knackered if this goes wrong and Q says you're not allowed to go anywhere. So mm, it's another element that doesn't really work for me. But then then we move on to sort of a bit more getting to know the crew. So Riker gets to see, meets Data on the holodeck. And there's a good bit where they introduce him basically to the Enterprise's version of Siri. And it says, show me where the holodeck is. And it says, follow my dotted lights. Yeah. And he does. And then it says, the holodeck's on your next um, to hatchway on your right. But then he turns left. So, well. <laughs> yeah, weird one. Riker not paying attention. Yeah. Probably went in. That's probably. I, I don't know if you noticed that actually going before this, back on the battle bridge. Yeah. And we have Chief O'Brien. Ah, and he's uh, in a red he's shirt. He's in a red shirt. And he's got a Ensign Junior Grade. Yeah. Or just an Ensign's badge yeah, an or Ensign's something. Yeah, an Ensign's badge. And that vanishes later on. He becomes yeah, a... Yeah, non-enlisted guy. Yeah, commissioned officer. I think throughout Next Gen, is he always got the normal pips on and then they invented the non-com pips for DS9? Uh, or did they actually change no, it within... Is Chief O'Brien on in Next Gen? They do call him it, but do they call him that? He's the transporter chief. No, or is that's it? That's it's actually rank, yeah. yeah, it's actually brought in in Next Gen. Yeah. So obviously yeah. it's things with the pilot that you change. Of course it is, and it, it's obviously one of them we liked Cole Meaney. We yeah. wanted to keep him on. Yeah, didn't keep him as a. It wasn't like a regular, but it was yeah. a. A recurring character. Oh, he was, yeah. I think after Michael Dawn, he's got the most appearances in any yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, um, So, yeah, we, we've got him there. And then they do call back to that in the finale, All Good Things. Yeah. We get him back in the red shirt and everything. So they don't wreck on it, which yeah. is quite good. And then the big new ship turns up, which is a big flying saucer to all intents and purposes. And Q turns up again and he... He's been a bit weird here because he's sort of giving them clues, but then he doesn't seem to want them to solve yeah. it. But then he does, and well, I think like if you look, if you see this episode, you sort of well, what's Q doing here? But then if you look at Q over the his whole yeah, yeah. appearance in the Star Trek universe, he's actually got a soft spot for humanity. Yeah, yeah. So it might have the directive from the Q continuum to put him on trial, to put him on trial and stop humanity. But he's got his own agenda where he actually likes yeah, humanity. I agree with you. I think, in retrospect, it works. Yeah. But it, taken on its own, it seems a bit of confusing yeah, well, motivation for the character. Yeah, but well, it makes you wonder if uh, DC Fontana's been, like we said, she's coming and created the Q character. She already had in, in mind maybe so, where she yeah. wanted to develop. And I, I think it's really good how this idea of a trial and everything comes back in all good things, yeah, you know, at look, the end. And, you know, the idea that the trial hasn't ended, it's yeah. actually been the well, whole... Well, it continues, he, he props up in uh, DS9 and Voyager. Yeah. Like Cisco treats him somewhat differently. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> and he has different feelings towards Janeway. Oh, does he, actually? Well. He's, he's very fond of Picard, so we don't know. <laughs> And then this is where it sort of all gets wrapped up, basically. They they realise that the ship is a life form and it's the yeah. same life form as Farpoint and they reunite them, basically, and turn out the two big jellyfish. Two, yeah, two space jellyfish. And off they go. So I think it is a good Star Trek story, yeah, the Farpoint as thing. A, as a pilot launching your series, it's... Yeah. It's just not very, it's not very exciting, and also like it, it is a good story at its most basic level, but it's not the best version of that story no. that you can do. And you know, Next Gen does it a lot of times better than this. I think further down the line, and yeah, it, well, like Next Gen seems to take a long time to find its feet. It does, yeah, it really does. Like. It's few and far between a, a really strong episodes in the first few couple of seasons. I think maybe there's half a dozen between yeah. season one and two, but then season three, it's a drastic upshift. Oh. And, it, you know, four, five, six, even seven, I think, are very strong. Yeah. So, you know, it does take a while to get there, but it and a lot of the faults with it are shown in this episode, you know, the things that they are going to drop as we... Yeah, like, there's a... They have uh, 
parts of the ship that you never see again. Yeah. That you never hear again. You have uh, deflector, uh, detector circuits. Yeah. And, like, I, I looked this up on Memory Alpha because I thought, bloody hell, that sounds really 60. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure if if I look through all the B-movies I've watched over the years, <laughs> I've come across some something that I'd use deflector cir- detector circuits. Yeah, yeah. But it's never mentioned in Star Trek previously or after. It's no. only... And that's, again, it's the working it out, aren't they? Yeah. The, they've got the established universe from TOS and from the movies, but relatively speaking, there's compared to what we've got now in terms of Trek law, there's not a lot there. And Next no. Gen is the key component, really, in building all those things. Yeah. So there's going to be a few misfires along the way, but, you know... I, yeah, it sounded out of place. Yeah. And again, we'll, we'll look at the thing, the universe and everything shortly, but just on a on a story level then, how does it work for you? I mean, as I say, I, I think I like the Q stuff. I'm not so keen on the Farpoint yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with that. It's it's alright and it's it's still watchable. But as a yeah. story, it's not as the Farpoint stuff isn't a strong story. And when you look back that um, sort of took Gene into into a more back back yeah, road after the second did. season. Because so and, and it's obvious it was trying to make it one thing, and they didn't want to go that way. No, and no, I think when you look at his later stuff, I mean his post TOS stuff, it was always these big grand ideas of meeting God. You know that was the original yeah. concept for the motion picture, and then. Eventually, that got distilled down, and it it was Vija, and there's there's elements of that in this. You know, there's yeah. this big, powerful entity, and how do we communicate with it and things? So, he clearly had these big sort of metaphysical ideas that he wanted to explore, yeah. and it, like I know we shouldn't do it, but to be fair, because he is the creator, but Gene isn't brilliant. At- telling stories not always no he, I think, he's created a great universe but he's not great at telling stories in that universe i think in tos he, d- he did do some really good yeah. ones and i think it's just a case of you know this was 20 odd years later and yeah. the television landscapes changed things like him wanting to make a one hour pilot is that just wasn't how they did it then yeah. so and I think the storytelling that he wanted to do wasn't really suited to a, a weekly episodic series. Yeah. You know, he wanted to tell these grand stories. Which, and to be fair, some of what he wanted to do would probably work brilliantly now. I'm sure they would do. Get, a, get a streaming series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think there is space oh, te- to do them. Um, but the attempts just, you know, motion pictures got its flaws. And this has as well, so yeah. it, it is getting it on screen that's the tricky well, we bit. We talked about the motion picture, and we did. Like, like as I said, the motion picture is the most Star Trek story of the yeah, moment. yeah. And I still stand by that, but it is boring as hell. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's again, it's the execution of yeah. it, and you've got to remember to be entertaining with it yeah. when you're trying to tell these stories, and that's something that Star Trek at its best does incredibly well, but. I don't think overall this is Star Trek at no. its best. Well, we never we never see the space jellyfish again. No, we don't. We never see the Bandai again. No, thankfully. We don't so, see Zorn again. Which leads so us... Actually, we do, but not as Zorn. All right. Because he's in uh, two episodes of DS9. He plays two different marquee. Oh, does he? Yeah. He right. also does voiceovers on four or five of the video Star Trek video games. All right. So you probably see a lot have heard a lot more of Michael right. Bell than you realise is IMD is like which cartoon series hasn't he been in <laughs> <laughs> no I mean I will get on to him actually let's let's look at the characters then so first of all let's start with Picard right again when I first saw him I was like I don't want a bald, middle-aged captain. You know, it's you used to Kirk. Yeah, and, it was it was very different than what we used to. The weird thing is, Shatner is older than Patrick Stewart. So when Star Trek IV's coming out, he's older than Picard is here. But he isn't 
coded that way within the story. We're, we're meant to think of Kirk as young still. Yeah. And this guy comes in. And, you know, I am aware of the irony of me disliking a bald middle-aged captain given <laughs> the state in life I am at the minute. So, you know, I, I admit I was totally wrong with it, but yeah. that was my first knee-jerk yeah. reaction. Um, I didn't... It was different, but I didn't mind it so much. I thought it was great that we had an English guy taking over. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And I think, again, this is like, you know, you're 10 years older than me, so you saw this with more adult eyes than I did on the first thing. So, you know, I was a bit like, oh, I don't want that. And so I gravitated more towards Riker. I wanted the more action kind of guy. But I think with this episode, there's... There's bits of sort of season one and two Picard, which are elements that get dropped as we go along. Yeah. But there's a lot in here of there's, who Picard is and yeah, what we love yeah, about Picard. Yeah, there's obviously... Obviously, somebody has obviously written a portfolio. Yeah. All these characters before they've shot any yeah, of yeah. and gone, these are the people. Yeah, there's a lot of it in here. I mean, like, with the... Um, the trial business, Picard's straight away pointing out, you know, we used to be savage, we used yeah. to this, but we're better than that now. And we have a right to explore the galaxy. We have a right to defend ourselves. And he's showing his morals and he's showing his integrity that is, you know, you can put us on trial, but it has to be a fair trial yeah. and we will defend ourselves. And I like that. And that stuff, you know, that's where Picard's at his best when he's standing up for principles and everything. And he even quotes Shakespeare well, at the trial. Yeah, well, to so, be fair, if what we're getting told about the Picard series, it's all about his principles of being... Yeah, yeah. ...is why he's left Star Trek, Starfleet. And this so, is it. You know, I think we said on an earlier episode when we were talking about... Oh, it was Pike when he decided to evolve all the Kelpians and we said Picard wouldn't have done that, you know. Yeah. Picard is sort of your yardstick for what you would expect from... A Starfleet captain. A Starfleet cat, exactly. So I like that he's got all that stuff, but then there's this other sort of hot-headed side of him that we we don't see as much yeah. as we go on. Like, one of the first things he says is like, shut off that damn noise! And when Wesley's on the bridge and he, get him off my bridge! and Yeah. All, and, the, you know, there's bits of it. And, you know, obviously he snaps in first contact and stuff. But the Picard we get to know is a lot more contemplative and yeah, methodical. More centred. And- yeah. And, like, he's a bit more gung-ho, I think, early on here. Like, you know, when it's um, when they get caught by the queue and it's like, we're going to push the engines to warp and, we're you know, the maximum and we're going to get out of here and let's fire torpedoes at it. And Well, no, it doesn't actually fire torpedoes at, at it. It's um, to blind it. Right, yeah. So it in front so they can... So they can slip the away, and get, yeah. And get rid of... The, get the families out of danger, which is, like... I thought that was a great thing in this episode, where we've got the so- source of separation. Yeah, I think that's great. Beautiful. Unfortunately, we don't see it many more times. No, I think twice in this year, and yeah. then once in generations. Yeah, like it's a great idea, but the budgets just didn't allow no, it to do it on a regular basis. I even remember. I even remember reading at the time they were talking about designing the ship, and they were saying we've got to design a ship that looks as good in two pieces as it does in yeah. one. So you know, it was clearly planned that this was oh, going to yeah. be something we were going to do more often. Like, like the source separation, if you read technical manuals, the original series should have source yeah, separated. Yeah. And anybody who's seen Star Trek continues, yeah, that do actually do it in the final episodes, we've finally get to see the original Enterprise source separate, and it is an amazing, yeah. amazing how they've done it. It's brilliant, but it was nice to see, and it's a shame they couldn't. Yeah, it to is do it a shame. Often. And some of those times when it's like. Well, why haven't you left the saucer section? Why we're flying into the neutral zone? Then leave the saucer section behind. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> and like even in this episode, like they they do this warp separation thing. Now, as far as I understand it, the saucer section hasn't got any warp engines. No, it's only got impulse engines. But somehow it catches up with them fifty three minutes or something yeah. later when they get to far point. So um, also when they're separating, as soon as it's separated and they're clear. 
the saucer should have fallen behind. Yeah, it should have. And yes, done. it doesn't. It's pulling away forward. Yeah, and we're going at what nine point eight at this point. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, I don't. The saucer know. should have dropped straight Would as it, soon as it's left it, the warp bu- bubble. That's it. It'd have to come out of the bubble. As soon as it left the warp bubble, it should have. Yeah. Shot straight behind them. So it's again teething problems. Yeah. We've not quite decided on everything yet, but. Yeah, it is a it is a weird one. Like, how did you feel about them having families on the ship? I I didn't mind it. I don't I don't don't see it as an issue. I mean, it's different to what we get in TOS. Yeah, and it's it's clearly moving us away from the military side of Starfleet more into the exploration. exploration. Yeah, I'm I'm still not like, sure it's a sensible idea either. Well, well, I could I could see the point of it for some ships, if they were just purely explanation, yeah, exploration... Yeah, they're not going to get going, a firefight. Going way out, not yeah. going in firefight. But he's the flagship that you're going to keep sending into all these different firefights. Yeah, and it's going in, as they say, an uncharted region. And Yeah, and should it really have families on board? Mm, I, I get why they've done it just dramatically for a setup of a show. It's a good idea because it gives you lots of it options. It introduces a lot more dynamics yeah. to who you could so have on board and I, stories. I get it from a, a story practical point of view as a, they call it a story engine, don't they? Yeah. To, things to generate storylines. So, yeah. But I also take your point. It's not necessarily the most yeah. practical. I mean, it makes sense on DS9s. Like, they're on I, station. I think um, part of what they were sort of saying is like, they're at peace with the Klingons now. They've not heard anything from the Romulans yeah. for 60, 70 years. So they're not really at war with anyone. So they are more exploration. The military side has been yeah, turned yeah. down. So you can see it from that point of view. Yeah, you can. I mean, it, I don't have an enormous problem with it. It do, it, it works and it helps us with yeah. telling us stories going forward. Um, another thing with Picard is... When Riker first gets on board, he's really weird with him. Like he ignores him and sends him to a a room to get basically well, to the side of the br- bridge to watch yes, what's happened. Basically, to watch a previously Which on. It's re- really strange because you see Riker watching this, and it's in real time. Yeah, and it's just flicking through. Yeah, yeah. So it makes if you watch what he's watching, it makes absolutely no, no not sense. at all. And he also turns it off just after Q says. Um, you know, uh, I, you may see me again or whatever. I says, yeah. you know, we'll have an intermission. Uh, it's the bit just before he, where he's going away to set the trial up. Yeah. And so it's, he's only got half the story, really. Yeah, it's... It, it's weird. It's yeah. not a good way of bringing him up to speed. No. But I don't like, know. If if they hadn't shown him watching it... Yeah. It would have made more sense in being brought, what going off to the side to watch what had happened. Yeah, it would. But, it's weird. And then it's got these sequences where Picard's kind of testing Riker. Like, yeah. first he says, you're going to do a manual. So it's Riker's first manual. We know that he likes them from Insurrection, where he he, dock, he redocks the two parts yeah. of the ship. But then he sort of tests him again in this um, conversation with him where he's, he's questioning him about not letting the captain beam down on a yeah. previous mission. And... It, it, I get the sense that he's sort of feeling him out and whatnot. Which, and um, if you've like, if you read some of the books, etc., and especially the autobiography of Picard, um, it talks about how quite few of the crew Picard had chosen. Yeah, yeah. But he's had no influence in choosing uh, Riker. Well, but this... so he's sort of been given a first officer. He doesn't know anything about. Yeah. Him, so you can see why he's doing this. But then that, um, yeah. but. I forget which episode it is, but that does get contradicted later on. Picard says that he specifically picked him because of this not letting yeah. a captain beam down. And I think this is good for... Yeah, I think he sort of like looked at crew yeah. at logs, but, he, but he's not he's, met But he's met and... Data before, he's met Yar before, yeah. he's met Worf before, he's met some of these key yeah. people before, and he's specifically, after seeing them in action... Yeah, and what yeah. they're doing is specifically ask for them to be assigned to him. Yeah, and Riker's a bit of a, a so Riker. Cat. All he's got is his red reports. Yeah, and I think this the scene is good because it gives us a lot about Riker as well. Like it's very clear that you know my duty is to the crew and to the captain, and I yeah. won't put you in danger. I'll follow orders, but I won't compromise. Yeah, 
and that that's establishing him as a, a strong-willed character but it also as well. establishes him as so he can go to the planets and be the action figure yeah oh yeah exactly yeah that's what he's going to be doing but that's how they establish this yeah it is that's the rest of that's the, the dynamic we're going to have yeah. and that that's fine and then again you see sort of this temper on picard he's really short with wesley he's on the bridge but he goes to dr crusher and apologizes to her about it and yeah it's almost like, like well it's if when you find out the rest of the story about these characters and ha- the past it that they've had mm. you find out why picard's apologetic to dr crusher oh yeah yeah but at this point that's not established no when we're watching this so, pilot so yeah we get it after the fact yeah. kind of thing and um because he made the rule when he became captain at stargazer that he wouldn't have children on his bridge yeah and he, he confides in Riker. i like um once he sort of tested Riker's metal a little bit he, he accepts him as i'm gonna trust this man yeah. and i'm gonna rely on this man and he says you know help me with children because i've got to look like i'm really friendly and i'm not good around children yeah which is and it's good it shows a level of trust between the two of them and it shows that picard is a character who is aware of his own weaknesses yeah and it's but it's not just aware of his own weaknesses he's willing to ask someone to help him with his exactly so he's showing a a degree of vulnerability there as well which Again, he's not something we've really had from Kirk. He's definitely yeah. a different type of captain. And then, so the end of the story, Picard does all the right things, like Q's questioning him, why have you locked phases on? It's like, no, it's a precaution. And Q is accusing them of being savage because they're not helping the bandy, but he beeps down to Dr. Crusher and they are doing. Yeah. So he's showing again why... He's such a sort of revered figure. I think I think there's a lot of good Picard in this episode. Yeah, it's also showing that even without Picard having to tell his people what to do, yeah. Starfleet is operating. This is how Starfleet operates. I don't yeah. have to tell my medical staff to go help the Bandai because they're just doing it automatically. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It shows they're there and this is what Starfleet does. And we get that from Tasha as well. She sort of puts into words in during the trial sequence. Yeah. She says, like, it's people like these who saved me from a world like this, like this trial. Yeah. And she says, you know, this is the opposite of what Starfleet stands for. So even though it's early days, we've been very, very clear in what Starfleet is, what it stands yeah. for, what the Federation is. So there's a lot of good stuff there as well. Before we move on from the characters, then well, I want to touch at, on. We haven't. Should we look at Troy? That's what I was going to say. Let's let's touch on Riker and Troy and their yeah. relationship. And Troy, I thought, was more useful here than she often is well, in later episodes. I I think they had Troy really good in this episode, and then forgot about what was so good about yeah. her. Ruined it for a few seasons. <laughs> yeah, and then got it back. Yeah, like, they have her in a uniform here, and she looks great in the uniform. Yeah. And she, she, I mean, she looks really good in yeah, the yeah. uniform. And then they ruin it and put us into them stupid bunny suits and they everything. They do, and the bunny suit undermines her as a character yeah. as well, because it's... It, you're wearing casual wear on the yeah. bridge, and it's not until we get Jellico who calls her on it. Which you is know. what, season six. five, six? Yeah, six, chain of command. Yeah. But then she goes back in a uniform all the time. She does, And yeah. she looks so much better. Yeah. It also makes her look more professional. It does. It, <laughs> it gives the character more um, sort of gravitas. Yeah. And also, if you watch the early stages of this episode, before... Before we get we pick Riker up at Farpoint, Picard's more or less treating Troy like his first officer. Yeah. You know, he's running everything by her and he's getting her opinion on everything and we're seeing that she's very capable. The the only time I think we don't do that is where they're on the planet's surface and Riker orders Troy and Geordie and Data to be uh, sorry, Geordie and Troy to beam up. And Troy says, Oh no, what if you could be hurt? And it's like, no, that's, that's yeah. bad. That's... Like, we, like we, we find out that there's been, they've got a past relationship. Yeah, we do. But, like, in this this one, uh, 
Riker can communicate with her telepathically. Yeah. And we never see that again. No. It's a weird one. Well, like, to me, it makes sense that he can't communicate telepathically. Yeah, but it'd be too easy. Telepathic species can communicate with each other. And it's implied here that she's taught him it somehow. And, you know, and basically, the dynamic we've got with Troy and Riker is the same as Decker and Ilea in the motion picture. It's your first officer used to have a relationship with someone else, they broke up. And so we're. We're doing that again, basically, yeah. but we're going to do it in a much longer way with these two. And yeah, I just think that bit where she, oh, don't, you know, I don't want him to get hurt, it, it weakens the character. Because yeah. She should be being a professional. Like, obviously, she cares for him, and that's fine. Yeah. Well, it shot down as well when she, when it was to go investigate, and he went, and she went, oh, me and you will go look. And he went, no, Tasha yeah. and you. And it, it makes her look sort of almost desperate like oh it's my ex-boyfriend i want to hang out with him and you know this is a professional woman who's got the most senior position in her field on the flagship of the federation she's not a little girl who needs a boyfriend to hold her hand and you know things like that are it it is just bad writing there's no it's it's not marina's performance or anything like that it's no she's doing She's following us. Yeah, script. it's it's bad writing for Troy, and unfortunately, there'll be a lot more of it as we go through. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think they do a good job, basically, of setting up all the characters. Like we see what everybody's skills are. We see yeah. Jordy's got his visor, so he can do different things. Yeah, he, as an android, he can do certain things others can't. Yeah, even Worf gets. Like we have a we have a female security officer. Yeah. It's all equality there, like. And Wolf gets quite well drawn to say he, at this stage he's sort of a minor character. Well, he gets shot down by Picard on the bridge. Oh, there's videos of that, isn't there? It happens all through the whole series. Yeah, but, but yeah. there's where he pulls his face oh, off to shoot the. Yeah, that's screen. ridiculous. And he's there. I'll get better. But yeah, I mean that is ridiculous. Again, like you know, does nobody taught him? You know, don't yeah. shoot at the wall. <laughs> it's it's a bit of an obvious one. Like he argues uh, when they have to separate the saucer that he should be going into battle as a Klingon. Yeah, and Picard rightly so goes, "No, I've told you, you pilot in the saucer, and you're a Starfleet officer." Exactly, and it shows that he, you know even. They are understaffed at this point. They haven't got the first officer yet. They haven't got Jordy yeah. yet. But Worf still gets put in charge of the saucer section, which is a pretty big responsibility. Yeah. So, you know, it shows that he's going to be important later on. Shall we move on then to what we learn about the Star Trek universe as a whole at this point? Yeah. So, first of all, we get a brand new ship. The Galaxy Class. Galaxy Class. You like your models, you like building your models and everything. What's your thoughts on the Galaxy class? Um, I'm going to be controversial because I actually think the Galaxy class is quite ugly. Yeah, I'm I'm not... I've I've always thought it looks really top-heavy. It does. It looks very squat as well. It's not very elegant. No, it ain't got that... There's... I can't remember what they call it, but there's a... The TOS follows a principle of um in art and drawing uh-huh. that follows triangles and it's, oh, and yeah, it's yeah. pleasing to the eye yeah and the next and the enterprise team just doesn't follow that no it doesn't like the nacelles are lower than the saucer which yeah. you don't get on the other ones it's i i mean i think i like it as a design more than you do but it, it's but by far not my favorite no. yeah i think it's it's fine it's and it's you know, it's the Enterprise that we see most of throughout all yeah. of Star Trek, but you know, it's it's good, it's serviceable, but yeah, I'm not mad keen yeah, on I'm it, not, I'm not yeah, crazy about it. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about it at the time, and I've got to say, 32 years later, I'm still not sold on its design. No. I'm, like, I mean, we're clearly in a minority there, because it, it you know, a actually, lot of toys and things yeah, are sold. Yeah, well, there's a lot it. of toys, but I mean, quite a few modelling groups, and it's it's a very, um, you'd be amazed how many people have the same thoughts on the D. Right. No, in, I didn't in realize. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's probably split about 50-50 people who, it's, it's a very Marmite. 
Right, I didn't realise. Yeah. I assumed it was incredibly no, it's popular. Very but... it, it, people either love it or they hate it. Right. Well, not hate it. No, but hate are not strong. But and not mad keen on yeah. it. Yeah. So there's the new ship. We go. We've got a new aesthetic compared to what we've had in yeah. TOS original series. The the movies as well. And we get a little bit. We've touched on it a bit, but we we get bits about human history. So we find out that in the mid twenty first century. It's described as the post-atomic cart of horrors, so we know there's been an atomic war. Nuclear holocaust. I don't think we've quite, at this point, differentiated between the eugenics wars and World War Three. So yeah. I think originally the idea was they were the same thing. Yeah. But it's kind of been retconned that there were two separate conflicts yeah, now. Yeah, and like, I know there's um, been fan fiction on how they've... Yeah, yeah. On the eugenics wars... Because it's really diff- difficult when you've got something that's been set in stone in Star Trek lore that happened in 1997, 22 years ago, that none of us remember happening. Yeah, but also, <laughs> not even us, but then you get in um, the Voyager episode where they go back in time, and they go back to the 90s, yeah. and they're running around in California, and it's fine. So it's kind of been retconned that it was like a cold war and nobody... Yeah, the, it was covered of, it was up. an underground war. Yeah, nobody really knew what was actually going yeah. on with it. And so th- this is clearly set after World War Three, which puts it around the time we see in First Contact and everything. Yeah. Um, and that's still far enough in the future. Yeah. That... Let's hope it doesn't, but that... <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully. So we're not far from the Sanctuary Districts, but we're still away from this, which is good. Um, So that's one thing. I like it when they delve into that part of Star Trek history. We've got a load of new ideas introduced, not all of which stick around. Like there's the unisex clothing that... Yeah, the unisex... What did I call it? The... Um... The skirt. There is a name for it. There is. I can't remember what it's called now. But, yeah, and you see Troy's wearing it, but also you see male crew members yeah. wearing it. And that was one of Gene Roddenberry's ideas, that Where, clothing wouldn't be as gendered in the future. I, I can see that. I don't have a, actually have a problem with it. No, and that's quite it's forward something I'd, w- I'd want to do. I'm, no, I... Nowadays, I wouldn't walk around in a dress or a skirt. I'm going to say, I don't think I've got the thighs for that. But, <laughs> you know... Well, for those I can people see, who I want can see stuff. 400 years in the future why, with equality, why you wouldn't have no, that. No, yeah, and it makes sense for Starfleet to have a standard issue thing that yeah. everybody wears. Uh, so, I, you know, I think we see it in the background a little bit in the first couple of seasons, yeah. but we don't after that. So that's one thing that went by the way. There's another bit um, on the planet where Dr. Crusher orders the material and she says... Send it to my ship when it arrives, charged, charged to Dr. Cr- Crusher. Yeah. So that, what are we, are we using money? Are we using credits? Yeah, platinum or Yeah, what? we've, like, we've well, not established well, that yet. I, like, I don't think this is ever really properly answered. I don't think it, it is. We have it that money's not important anymore, which is said a lot. We don't have money anymore in the Federation, which is said a lot. But then you get to DS9 and they're all gambling and paying yeah. for suites and paying for bar tabs. So there must be... The, there's there must, got to be something. They must have some form of currency the, that they allowed to, that they can use when they're dealing with alien yeah, cultures. Yeah, that they that can still trade with other cultures. Yeah, I mean, I assume that what they do is the Federation trades resources yeah. for alien currency, so they can. Yeah. But within the Federation itself, there's no there's no, no such thing as currency, which. You know, it's problematic in a lot of what just in, in terms of a practical way, because you get yeah, things like, like, well... It's not like, well... Cisco's so, dad owns the restaurant, but he's got guys who wash the dishes. Yeah. So why would they choose to wash dishes when they could open their own restaurant? You know, yeah, it's... Yeah, it, it is a problem. It is very it, it's problematic. It's weird. And it, it's nice to think like, that we like get to... to be fair, I can see that with Cisco's dad, like, replicated technologies all over the place. Hmm. And this guy's got a working restaurant. Everything's made properly. It's all fresh ingredients. And it's maybe advertised, look, if you want to come work in a restaurant where everything's done properly, 
they might get a kick out of all Yeah, this that is... could be it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really old fashioned. And we know that he puts Jake to work when he yeah. comes back. So. Um, what you might what it might actually be is you might have people just go there for a week as a holiday to it wash could up. Be, yeah. You never <laughs> well, know. But people do where they go to Yeah. It, it is. It's hard to envision how it works. Yeah. And it's one of them that you've got to accept it just does. Yeah. But it feels like they hadn't quite decided here exactly yeah. what it was going to, you know, how it was going to work. And we get the holodeck, which is brand new to Star Trek, or it was at this stage. Um, yes, it, it, well, the animated series animated, had something animated similar. Animated series had a holodeck, but it didn't have the sophistication. It no. Like, had an envi- it had an environment, but there weren't, weren't all sophisticated with characters in it. And- no. And... What's interesting about, and this is something that crops up again and again and again, is Riker just wanders into Data's holodeck, and then Wesley turns up. Yeah. Is, are you allowed to do that? Like, you yeah. could be doing anything in there. As Barclay finds out later on when people are just wandering, it seems a, a weird, intrusive thing that yeah, people that can do. Yeah, that you somebody else's entertainment. Yeah, the, the leisure time. It's, it's an odd sort of concept, but, you know... It's good that we established the holodeck here, so we've got it. We're obviously going to use it in later episodes. Yeah. And, you know, spoiler alert, it's going to malfunction a bit. Does um, it ever? <laughs> so, I mean, those are the things I picked out in terms of setting up the universe. We've got a callback to what we've seen that we see in Excelsior-class ship. Yeah, the HUD. Yeah. Which but- also has a lovely cameo. We have uh, DeForest Kelly. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Yeah, I nearly forgot about Bones. Yeah, um, well, yeah that's great. His, chronologically, it's his last appearance, yes. but it isn't actually his, the last time he's in, no, it's in not. Star Trek. He has a couple more movies. Yeah, but it's good to see Bones on yeah, it. Yeah, it was it? nice that they brought one of them back. And yeah, and it's good that he sort of sends the ship off on yeah, the way. He's still got thing. the same thing. He won't transport. He's got yes. a throttle. Yes. Yeah, it is really... He's still got a thing about Vulcans. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good to see him, and it's a nice way of sort of handing the torch yeah. over. And whether it was foresight or whatever, it's good that they didn't use Kirk or Spock here because we get them later on. Yeah. And we get them used in different ways, so I, I quite like... I think like... it's just a happy coincidence. I think probably it is, yeah. I think it's probably... DeForest was probably available for whatever oh, movie yeah. they had. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it works really, really well. So it's nice that it's tying it into what's gone before while it's yeah. kind of forging it. Well, it wouldn't, surpri- it wouldn't actually surprise me knowing Stoji about Shatner and to an extent um, Nimoy, Nimoy yeah. that, they asked, that they maybe were approached, but they wanted bigger parts. Mm. Possibly so, yes. Bear in mind, this that, is the time when they're directing the movies. Yeah. And, yeah. It, that, because it, it does nothing to drive the story forward. No, it doesn't. It's it just a lovely little It's literally a little nice cameo. And they've maybe, Shatner probably wanted a bigger part. Yeah. And Lloyd probably went, well, no, it doesn't drive the story forward. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's great, though. It's, that's, that's why Nimoy turned down Generations. Yes, yeah. So, no, it's, it is a, a lovely little scene, yeah. and it, it starts a tradition that we do for quite a bit, like Picard turns up in the DS9 pilot and Quark's in the Voyager, Voyager pilot, so we always get a yeah. little handover, which is nice. Unfortunately, Riker and Troy are in the <laughs> end of Enterprise. Yeah, that's not quite so good. <laughs> so, we'll move on to then, to wrap up, we'll just talk about a few sort of highlights, a few lowlights and wrap up with our thoughts on this one. So first of all then, highlights, Elliot, of Encounter at Farpoint. Um, the introduction of Q. Yep. Because Q, becomes, Q is a very important uh, character, recurring character. He is, yeah. Like, I'm hoping that it's being kept quiet and we're going to see Q in Picard. I'd hope so, like, yeah. Like, we've heard in the trailers where Picard's disillusioned with Starfleet and he's back on his yeah, van, And it'd be a perfect opportunity for Q to turn up, 
what you're doing, wallowing in your own self pity. Yeah. Kick him up his ass, get back out there. Yeah, you've got a galaxy <laughs> but, to save. No, but that'd be a perfect it would. cue. It'd be brilliant. Interaction. It'd fit with what we see of the yeah, two characters. Q's interesting with Picard, and we'll look at the rest of the Q episodes yeah. in the road to Picard, but yeah, he's, he's an antagonist, but He's also like a friend to him at yeah. times, and uh, I think you said he's like Jiminy Cricket yeah, to him. Yeah, he's a bit of Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. He's almost his conscience. Yeah, it's really <laughs> interesting <laughs> dynamic. For me, I think the high points, yeah, the Q story, I, I think the opening, the opening act or opening 20 minutes or so, I think it's great. Yeah. You know, the I'd forgotten how fast-paced that was, and I think it's a shame we lose it as it, as it carries on with the story. And I like that we get to know each of the crew a little bit. Yeah, we get a, we, we get enough of an introduction yeah, to people. Then, un, unlike, say, in Discovery, where we're still struggling with some of the characters yeah. at the end of season yeah, two. So this is only a pilot, an hour and a half. We got we got a story end to end, beginning, middle, conclusion. Yeah, we we know a bit about Picard, Troy, Tasha, Worf, Riker, Data, Jordi. Yeah. We've seen Chief O'Brien. Yeah. So we see the, the cover uh, a lot. Crusher, Wesley Crusher. So we see. Yeah, they cover a lot in the time they've got, and you know that's that takes good writing to do that. What about low lights then? What doesn't work in this one for you? <sighs> I don't think Michael Bell's great as as um, No. He he needs to stick to voice work, which he does. To There's be the fair. bit where. Riker says, okay, we'll just go. Then he says, no, please don't leave. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's just it's, awful. Yeah. Um, there's, like, the Bandai, they just don't look really... No. They, they look, this sounds horrible. They look, like, dirty. Yeah. <laughs> they just look like... Like, you wouldn't want to yeah. hang out with them, really. And I know yeah. they're going for, we're trying to make them look like a different culture, and you know, and that kind of fits in with, you know, they're not as well developed as they're trying to make the Federation think they are. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I don't like them. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. They don't for me. I mean, yeah, I agree that the, there's little bits like Worf shooting the screen, I think, just, trying to shoot the screen is just ridiculous. Yeah, it is. But, I don't know what the, if they were trying to show that is a Klingon, so he's got, He's hostile. He's yeah, got he's got anger issues, issues but and... he's also a Starfleet officer, so surely he's passed some sort of basic yeah, psych evaluation. Yeah, he's you, passed, know? He's, you get like he's obviously been a Starfleet officer for some time as well. He yeah. hasn't just he's no. already a lieutenant. He hasn't just graduate graduated. He's been on board ships for yeah. a hundred years. He's he been... shouldn't be trying to shoot the view screen, no. but. Little bits like that, you know, don't don't work for me. But overall, I think I enjoyed this a bit more than I thought I would this yeah. time. I'm glad we don't have deflector cir- detector circuits again, <laughs> because they do just sound very 50s or 60s. And we don't have a standard parking orbit again, either. Yeah. We just have standard orbits, which sounds much better. Yeah. A standard parking orbit, just, it just conjures up visions of like... You know, Data looking back over his shoulder, you yeah. left hand down a bit, down a bit, oh, oh no, forward. So, no, I mean, it's a pilot, there's yeah, going to be bits we had, and um, Fortunately, we didn't have a joystick for manual docking. No, but if there had been one fixed, he'd have been all over it. But, you know, we can excuse some things in a pilot. Yeah, you can, like, you can see, like, I watched this second episode straight after yeah. The Naked Now and I've only watched them today as well to get refreshed on them and you can see straight away differences where they've gone we right we're not having that in yeah. we are having that in and next gen as well it thrives on the 45 minute format Yeah, when you're not having to drag this out well this then... was to be fair this was uh, broadcast originally as a two part I know it was yeah but we always watch it now as in one part because that's how it's been remastered yeah yeah but it's, it still says it's Encounter at Firepoint part one and two but it's not it's not two stories in no. an hour and a half. It's well, it is, but they're intermingled. Yeah. But yeah, next gen functions better in the forty-five minute yeah. weekly episodic, episodic format. And you find that with a lot of a lot of shows that do these hour and a half pilots, the hour and a half pilot is not reflective of what you're going to get. No, you get like 
to be fair, there's not a lot of um, crew change between the pilot and it goes no, to the series. No. And a lot of pilots, you might lose half the actors. Yeah, well, Babylon them. 5 being a, a a key point there. Yeah. They, they lost a fair few people and they they explained it all the way. Well, this doctor's transferred and we've got this yeah. new one. And, yeah, you know, like you said, there's none of them, that. A lot of them survive the pilot. Yeah, they do. Yeah, we, this is pretty much our crew and where we're going to yeah. go with them. So what we'll do next episode then um, we'll look at a couple of episodes from later in season one that are a focus on Picard and on Picard's character as we continue building up to the eventual premiere of Picard. If you want to get in touch with us, you can get in touch with us via Twitter. We're at Retrek Pod. Um, on Facebook, if you put Retrek in the search engine, our group will come up and you're welcome to join. We're also on email, retrekpod at gmail.com. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we'd really love it if you could leave us a review on there. Preferably a five-star one, but um, if not, tell us why not, and we'll do our best to, to improve it. But that would be a really good way of helping us move up the charts a little bit and getting the word out there to a few more people. But for now then... It's um, thank you for trekking with us this week, and we'll see you next time on the retrack. Thanks a lot. Bye bye.